Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. And we also had a win here in Marion County for gun owners. And it's not just a win, I think, in Marion County. It's going to mostly direct directly influence uh, people in Marion County, uh, and in, including particularly people that have guns that have had or in the future have guns uh, taken into possession of IMPD, the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department, because of some policies. And I've talked about this here on the show before. I'm going to get into it in more detail. But IMPD has had a policy where if a gun comes into the property room, it was taken into IMPD's custody for any reason, and that's the problem. For any reason, a gun goes into the IMPD property room. I've, I've, I've often joked, and it's not a funny joke, it's tongue-in-cheek, I've, all, I've, I've often said they should, us, they, they should hang a sign over the property room door that says, Ye guns who enter here abandon all hope. Because it's damn near impossible to get a gun out of the property room at IMPD. Why? Because they've had this policy of any gun that comes in, doesn't matter the reason, you can have your car towed. Something as innocent as, as you know, your parking meter ex- is expired and you get your car towed. Um, or you could be the victim of a crime where you had a burglary or a break-in of your car. You're the victim of the crime and the, the cops then catch the thief or for whatever reason, they recover your gun. So the gun goes into the property room. That's your property. You're the victim of a crime. Guns obviously go into the property room because they could be evidence in criminal investigations or criminal prosecutions. But IMPD has had this policy for for decades, literally decades and decades, that is that if when the gun comes into the property room, that gun is tested for ballistics. That means they test fire it. They recover the projectile to do a microscopic analysis and photographs of that projectile. They recover the shell casing. And they do a microscopic analysis of the striker marks and the extraction marks. A full ballistic analysis, all that data, all those pictures, is then sent to the ATF database, the nickname for which is the Crime Guns Database. And that's all sent to ATF. And your information, even though potentially you were the victim of a crime, or your your gun was simply in your car when your car was towed, or you could have been arrested on something totally unrelated to the gun. If you get an OWI, what a lot of people call a DUI, driving while intoxicated, right? You, you get pulled over for that. The gun has, is irrelevant to your OWI because the crime's actually called operating a vehicle while intoxicated. So let's say you get arrested for that. The gun is irrelevant to your prosecution. There's no additional charge because you had a gun in the car, not in Indiana. But they're going to impound your car. They're going to tow your car. And when the car gets towed, your gun goes to the property room. The gun is irrelevant to the criminal prosecution. But they will run all those same ballistics, even though the gun is not suspected in any way of being involved in a crime, they'll still run ballistics on every single gun. And in a great story done by Richard Essex, and and Richard's going to join us here after this next break, he did an an interview some time ago with Assistant Chief Chris Bailey. And Chris Bailey uh, was asked the question, do you do, with all this testing, 
And which, by the way, once the, the once the gun is released for whatever reason, it just goes into the queue. It gets in line, and there are thousands of guns in the property room. Eventually, it gets tested, and only once it's tested, then can you come down and claim your gun. There's another problem, which they also require proof of ownership, which is they want at least a copy of the original receipt. So if you inherited a gun, you bought a gun and didn't get a receipt because you bought it from a private individual. You bought a gun 30 years ago and didn't happen to keep the receipt the entire entire time. You can't get your gun back. But in this interview, and, and it's a great story, you can look it up on Wish TV's uh, internet page, uh, Richard Essex, great investigative reporter, I think the best in the business that we have here in Indy, asked uh, IMPD assistant chief, hold on, you can't really be testing all of these guns. Process down in the, in the citizen service section or firearms section, entered into the system as property, and then at some point they make their way over to the crime lab. Uh, go ahead. So for, for all guns? Yes. Now, if they're involved in a crime or not, they are processed? That's, that's my understanding, yes. Do you have to have probable cause or a search warrant for those? Not that, not that we know of. We uh, went back and checked um, how long this has been going on. We went to a, a former employee who had came on in 1973, and it was happening in the 1970s, and she worked another 30 years here and recently retired a couple of years ago. So all guns... And Richard asked a very poignant question, very relevant question. Wait a minute, isn't this a search? And if there's no evidence that the gun was used in a crime, it's not part of a criminal investigation, where's your probable cause? Where's your basis to conduct that search? Gather that information and send it to a database where that information on an innocent person's gun could be a victim of a crime. Is then stored in an ATF database that's supposed to be for guns involved in crimes. And you didn't hear much of an answer. Well, yeah, that's the way we've always done it. And do you need a warrant for that? Not that we know of. I'm sorry, you're the police, and you don't know when you need a warrant? Seriously. Seriously. If there's anybody in this country who should know when you need a warrant, shouldn't it be the police? Not that we know of. Horrible answer. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Richard has uh, called in on the drivehubler.com hotline. We're glad that he joins us. First of all, Richard, congratulations on a hell of a story, man. I've talked about this publicly on my show and on Hammer and Nigel, um, but it was a hell of a story, and you did a hell of a job on it. So congratulations on a, on, on a great bit of investigative journalism. Well, thank you. Thank you. You were a big part of it. Well, I appreciate that. And and But the best news of all is after your reporting and after – and I played – Assistant Chief Bailey's uh, interview that you did uh, as a as a preamble here a bit ago, and and as well as your interview with the ATF uh, representative who said, "Oh no, our understanding is that these guns are supposed to have been involved in a crime before that data gets sent to us for storage in a database." You reported and you broke the story as you should, since you uh, really are the one that ran this to ground to begin with on a uh, an announced change from IMPD. Well. We had been asking IMPD at every opportunity if they had made any changes to the policy. And they told me after that interview, the first interview, that if they made any changes, they would let us know right away. Well, that was not the case. I had to find out they had made a change in the policy from another member of the command staff who I had met at an ATF and U.S. attorney briefing 
last week or the week before, and I asked him, hey, have you guys made changes? Oh, yes, we have made a change, and we are no longer going to send firearms that are in the property room for safekeeping over to the crime lab. So it was a small step, but it took a month and a half to get that out of them. Yeah, but, you know, that is a big deal. I mean, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because, for instance, let's say, and and you interviewed uh, someone and you featured him on your original story. It took him two years to get his gun out of the property room simply because the gun was in his car when his car got towed. Yeah, he was telling. (laughs) It took him two years. He was telling us. Yeah, he had had left his car over. He left his car over somewhere by Luke Soil Stadium in a place he shouldn't have. They got towed and went back to, to get his gun. And they said, well, it's, it's going to be a while. The other things that were in his car, they gave it to him right away. But for the gun, it took him two years, two years to get his gun back. <laughs> so now the proof is in the pudding, obviously. So what I want to see is, let's say I get my car towed today and, and, and and I have a, a a gun. It's in a safe. But let's say for whatever reason they 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 find that, they send it into the property room. Does that mean I get it back tomorrow? Does that mean I get it back in a week? Um, does that mean it's down to one year as opposed to two years? I mean, it's fascinating to me to anticipate how this really plays out. And based on basically what I saw is a one sentence statement that you got from IMPD. We don't really have any idea. Right. And, and that was a, another question I put to IMPD and to ATF. How many guns have been, how, how much information has been sent to ATF that were from guns that were kept in the property room for safekeeping that were not involved in a crime? And nobody could answer that. And we also asked the U.S. attorney if he would look into, because you know, somebody hadn't signed a document that said that this, that this gun met the requirements that ATF has set forth that had been involved in a crime or had been suspected of being used in a crime, somebody had to sign something to send that data to ATF. And we asked the U.S. attorney if he was going to investigate, and he said probably not. That was more of an internal investigation. Oh, so someone should have, could have made a false statement on what may very well be um, a, a, a that requires a sworn statement. I don't know. I've not seen the form uh, on a on on a federal document that could be a false statement. Yes, we believe this gun was used in a crime on that basis. Send that data on that particular gun to the ATF database. And, and the U S attorney's not interested in that. If I go in to buy a gun in a gun store and I lie on the form that I fill out to buy that gun, that's 10 years in prison. Right. IMPD yeah. doesn't seem to be getting anywhere near the same treatment. No, no. Uh, and and, and I, this is going to be an issue that we're going to revisit. This, we're not going to let just that one answer well, be no, the end of it. Exactly. And is my understanding correct, Richard, that they didn't address in any way this ridiculous notion that they can tow my car, registered to me, take my gun out of my car, and then refuse to give my gun that they took out of my car back to me because I don't have adequate proof in, in the in the form of a receipt from the original purchase of that gun that could have been 30 years ago. Could have been a gun I inherited from my grandfather when I was 14 years old. Who knows what the circumstances are that they won't re, they won't release that to me, that my gun they took out of my car, they won't release that to me without a receipt. They're not dealing with that at all. As far as I can can see, they're still skirting that issue completely. Yeah, that that is an issue they, they still are skirting. And matter of fact, 
Yeah, my son bought a new Smith & Wesson 40 last week. And on the way home, I said, give me that receipt. And, you know, I put it in, in a safekeeping area because you, you never know. You, yeah. he's, you know, if his car gets towed or if he's in, you know, if something happens to the car or whatever, you know, we've got the receipt now. And of all the firearms in our house, that's the only one that I've got an original receipt for. And that kind of makes me nervous. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly right. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I don't know exactly how many guns I own. I don't own nearly as many as some of my shooting buddies do, but it's an appreciable number. I bet I don't have a single receipt. If I do, it's it, you can count it on one hand. Um, and I could have a burglary at my home, and 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 and, and they catch somebody that, that stole the exact guns that I reported stolen, and I can't get my gun because I don't have the original receipts. You know what? That, as you and I have talked about, I've, I've already started putting together a class action lawsuit, and that included all the Fourth Amendment issues that you raised in your astute questioning of, of Assistant Chief Bailey about a total lack of any probable cause to do any kind of a search on somebody's gun that's not even involved in a crime, and they're still doing this. Um, and, and it included all of that. Now, we're taking a second look on what exactly should be involved in this lawsuit because, oh, by the way, the fact that they fixed it now doesn't mean that all the people for the last 30 or 40 years who had their rights violated, 50 years, according to IMPD, that, that so suddenly you know, any cause of action they might have that goes away because they fixed it after the fact. But we're reassessing exactly what that lawsuit should look like. But this idea that they can essentially steal my gun from me, and that's not a word I use lightly, um, and not turn it over to me because I can't prove, quote unquote, proof of ownership, um, that's something that still bears scrutiny. And, uh, and one way or the other, my prediction is that we're going to force a change in that as well. Well, I, I, I know that some of the forums that I have been on and that you've been on also, that is a major, major issue for a lot of people. They, they have a gun that it was taken out of their car and they can't get it back because they don't have that original receipt. And as far as I've been told, that's not right. <laughs> it's the only way I can put that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, we're, we're here at the bottom of the hour, but but I wanted to have you on one because um, you were the one who, who who ran this to ground. You're the one that forced this change in policy. Um, but also, I just wanted to say thank you and congratulations, because to, in my mind, and it's not just because this is a Second Amendment issue. It's obviously near and dear to my heart. But it, in, in my mind, this is what investigative journalism ought to be all about, that someone recognizes an issue that needs exposure. Um, you did a great job investigating it, reporting it, and then you actually force change and that's that's as good as it gets when we come to investigative journalism so i just wanted to say thank you and congratulations for that as well well thank you very much it means a lot coming from you thank you all right well thanks so much richard essex wish tv check him out best in the business here in india i wish we had more like him uh, right now we're at the bottom of the hour we're taking a break this is guy relford on the gun guy show on 93 wybc